Welcome back to the podcast. My guest today is a 2010 graduate of Ketchikan High School. He uh, finished third at in the steeplechase at the United States Track and Field Championships in July. Isaac Updike, thanks for being on here. Hi, thanks for having me. So I want to first start off with uh, Ketchikan, of course. Uh, graduated in 2010. Think back to your freshman year of cross country. Um, what, what was that like? Because I remember my first race in Sitka. I remember sprinting as fast as I could and just watching everybody just disappear in front of me. <laughs> Growing up in Kloak, you know, I thought that maybe I was a little bit fast because I was getting top tens on the island. But, oh, yeah. my gosh, first race in high school was just horrible. How was yours? Yeah, um, my first I, – I don't know that I remember specifically my first – race as a freshman i do i do remember regionals um at juno and and i had uh i think i got out kicked for a, like 11th or 12th mm. to make um that was my first time really being like a couple spots outside of the window to make um the next like level right to make state at that point um that was my like one of the times that i remember like setting a your a goal for next season right mm -hmm. Like, oh, I was that close. Um, let's do it next year. So you've been a pretty accomplished runner all throughout. It wasn't something that you had to kind of build to <laughs> senior year. You're going to make it like you were, you were, you were working. Yeah. At it. Yeah. I did. I did make state. Uh, yeah. The next three years um, and got like progressively better at state. Um, I think I was like 48th and then 24th and then like fourth or something like that. Oh, nice. uh, or sixth. So um, yeah, I, I was, I was good for the, you know, the, the bubble that you're in. <laughs> But Alaska isn't really known outside of, you know, maybe Alio and Trevor Dunbar. Uh, yeah. And and now um, a couple other good runners, one here, a couple in NAU actually. Uh, like they're, yeah, they're not super elite. We don't have like the top, top yeah. dogs every year. Um, so being good in Alaska is good for Alaska. <laughs> did you, did you grow up running? Was it something that you wanted to do? Was it something that uh, parents got involved or sometimes it just, yeah. Like a coping mechanism. You just got to, you just get out and not, not that it's a nice, beautiful day to ever take a run here and catch a yeah. can, but, uh, uh, what were those early days like? Um, yeah, I did. I did. I never ran for the sake of running. I just did a lot of other sports that involved, uh, the, you know, the fart liquor endurance style of running. Um, I know, I mean, my dad was like a runner in his high school and, and he was known as a runner in catch can. Um, you know, he, he did uh, a lot of relays uh, back in the day with Dan Ortez and, and, and Greg Singstead and um, Ron Medell, um, mm -hmm. you know, like some old school runners. Um, but other than that, it was just kind of integrated through soccer, through basketball um, mainly. And then obviously cross country. What was your best uh, biggest sport in high school? The one you kind of looked to the most. It ended up being, I mean, it, I, my passion was soccer. Um, but I knew by the time I was coming into my senior year that, uh, I was like, I was just better at running. Mm -hmm. Uh, you kind of tell when you're naturally good at something and that also like makes you enjoy it more because you're better at it. Right. Like it's, it's, it's fun to be good at something. Mm -hmm. uh, so despite all that, I still, I only did track my sophomore year because then that was the year that we got turf out of oh. fun. Yeah, yeah. So then it was like, Oh no, I'm playing soccer <laughs> um, my senior year. So I didn't, I didn't do track when I probably should have from like a, a college, like recruitment standpoint. Mm -hmm. 
What kind of high school athlete were you? You're involved. Obviously, you have to be here in, in Southeast just to get off the island, just to travel, just to do whatever. But like, were you just kind of naturally gifted? Did you work really, really hard at it? Were you, you know, taking care of, of the body and watching what you ate? What uh, what was that like? No. <laughs> um, I think I would just there's you can kind of tell when there's pockets. Um, every grade kind of has a few where you you just grow up around a group of boys and girls um, that are all playing sports together in the street, in the backyard. Um, and you just like, it was never, it never felt like a task to go outside and shoot hoops or play, you know, two V two soccer in the driveway with some like cones or something like mm-hmm. that. Right. You're just enjoying it. Um, and just trying to get better at it to beat your brother, to beat your friend. Um, yeah. but it did, yeah, a lot of stuff, I, I guess you can, classify me as athletic in terms of a runner um there's a lot more athletic people out there but in the running world um people at my level tend to have stuck to running from an early age mm-hmm. yeah that's such an important thing growing up now and sometimes kids ask me what i was like in high school and what i would be like now and i said i, I don't know you if you have that good group of kids who's involved in stuff and you're very self-sufficient and you go outside and you play you go to the river you do whatever it is but man if you if you take that situation away you take some of those influences away and who knows how dedicated you are to a sport or or this Mm -hmm. or that so that that crew is really really important yeah yeah and there was some like you know um obviously i mentioned dan ortez and um another one would have been though i wasn't on the team for a whole lot um but the basketball coach um if uh, stockholm is is, is stock still there stock hasn't yeah 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 yeah. uh he uh you know uh he was a little firmer though because he it was his first year that first is yeah um but despite him being hard you, you know you learn a lot about like how to approach a sport um in terms of like you're saying with dedication and and uh, um how that kind of applies to outside of the sport as well right with like character building and things like that yeah i have a son in class and he's writing an article about uh for journalism class about um how you can learn a lot from sports and mm-hmm. he made a comment in there about, you know, sports teaches you this and that. And I said, well, you'd be careful about that because sports doesn't necessarily teach you that stuff. It can teach you that, but there are some people who end up being arrogant punks or brats because of their sporting experience. So, yeah. Um, yeah. How, how were you, uh, as far as dedication goes, like, did you, did you like people who are, who are really strict? Did it, did it bring that fire in you or was it kind of something afterwards that you learned the lesson and thought, okay, well maybe, maybe I let that crush my self-esteem or maybe I was mad at coach. Yeah, um, I think that uh, naiveness played into it a lot. I don't know that I would have recognized, like, outside looking in, people probably thought it was dedication. But, you know, on one hand, if everyone else is doing it, you're just like, I'm doing it as well, right? And um, also that competitiveness uh, and wanting to win and be better, like, that that can look like dedication. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, so I think those were probably the two biggest factors um, and also like running is, is quite pure in the sense that you're out there chasing your own time. You're trying to beat other people too, but it's like what, even in high school, I can remember talking to Dan and, and um, about, um, you know, strategies and, and, and like running a little slower through mile one. So you can have a little more in mile two. And it, you know, like that kind of stuff clicked with me earlier than I think uh, some other people. Mm-hmm. That I was How important was strategy for me? It was just kind of like run. Yeah, there wasn't because I just did did cross country to get ready for basketball. Yeah. I, was, I was definitely one of those. So, how much does strategy 
or how much did it play and then how much does it play now as, as a professional, yeah. it's got to be a lot more important. Um, yeah. Now I feel like everyone is at like a, a current day um, that where I'm competing against, there's less strategy. Well, on the track, there's less strategy in general. I, at least for, for me, it's like with the steeplechase, you like, it's quite hard just throughout, like through and through it's, it's not as like, it can be tactical, but it's not generally as tactical as some other events. Um, but thinking back to like cross country in high school, I like, I remember specifically with Ward Lake and, and the, the home course, you know, that, that trail is quite windy and just enough to be able to break vision. And, and it's a powerful thing to like throw in little surges and get to where you're, you know, you may only be 20 feet ahead, but the person behind you is two turns back. And when they turn that corner and they don't see you, they don't realize you're that close. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and and so it's kind of like a psychological thing where they like, at least I thought, um, like you, people can give up, right. Mm -hmm. Cause they think that you're further ahead than you are. Um, and then by the time you realize that it's too late, um, and stuff like that. So I use that a lot. Um, the sick of course has a little bit, uh, when you get, across the bridge and do the small loops mm-hmm. if i remember the course right um and then obviously on wood lake with the uh 1.3 mile loop on the last like half mm-hmm. um so yeah. did you find that you were a lot more mentally tough than you thought running is definitely one of those like you're in your head there's no adrenaline if there's a if you're tired on defense and basketball and there's a loose ball you're not thinking about tired you're just going floor burns doesn't even matter yeah, you not really have um, that in in cross country or in running. So, what? How's your your mental toughness uh, improved, or has it just been enhanced? Yeah, um, I, I guess I probably have had it, but it's been pretty logical in the sense that, like, I would do a workout and be like, "All right, I can run this," and so like I should be able to run this. Um, <clears throat> so I would just go out and like, it, it's a little like give and take, right? Because if you run, let's say five thirties or, uh, I guess that's, yeah, five thirties for a 5k and it's like 16, 10. Um, but maybe, you, you know, you do that and you blow up a little bit at the end and run like a six, 10 last mile. My thought process is always like, all right, um, that's six forty five pace, but maybe I can go out and run six forties for all three miles. And I'm five seconds faster than I was last week. Um, just with that, like combination of strategy and, and, um, mental toughness. Mm-hmm. So you graduate from uh, K high, you go to Eastern Oregon. Yeah. Um, did, did, was, was running part of the decision to go there? Uh, Cause that's an NAIA. And did you get a scholarship there? Or was it walk on? I, I didn't, you know, I walked on. Um, yeah, it was a mixed bag. Uh, I didn't really like, I didn't have a ton of resources. I mean, catch can's not like the stomping ground for a bunch of NCAA athletes. So, you, you know, like, I didn't know, um, kind of what was out there and I didn't, maybe I didn't do enough research my own or, or didn't have enough curiosity at the time. Um, but I had sent a couple like cold call emails to a couple colleges. Um, one of which was Eastern Oregon because my sister was also going there. Um, she's a year older than me. Uh, and I also knew that the coach was from Anchorage. Um, so that may have been like, uh, Ben Welch may, may have been like a, not a cheat code, but like a soft spot for last <laughs> and inside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I looked up their times and converted my 5k to what the NAI runs, which is an 8k and knew that I would be in their top seven. So I had like a good shot of, you know, walking on and, um, that was, that was kind of like the two halves to why I went there. Mm -hmm. 
And then you're at, uh, you're, you're in college. At what point do you think, Hey, I can keep doing this afterwards. Cause some uh-huh. people are, they're fine with their career ending at the end of high school. Other kids, it's, I want to find a place to play in college two years, fine, four years, fine. But then other people think there's, there's still something here. Uh, when did you make the decision that, uh, you wanted to do more? Yeah, I don't. So like, uh, I went to Eastern Oregon for five years. Um, and again, kind of got lucky with, uh, you know, there was three or four other Alaskans, um, from, you know, Palmer, Wasilla, Anchorage, uh, that were also runners. Uh, turns out my coach liked to recruit from Alaska. Uh, so he was pretty biased there, but, uh, kind of got lucky and found, uh, another pocket of, it was ended up being seven guys, um, including my twin brother, Luke, uh, who also ran for K high and obviously graduated the same year as me and, um, ended up coming to Eastern as well. Uh, and that, like we all, by the time our like college careers were finishing up, we were kind of all like, well, we think we could run a little faster. Um, so like, do you just want to move to Eugene? And, uh, we kind of had a little bit of an in on one of the local, like semi elite, uh, community, it was semi-elite, uh, like quite a mixed bag of, of, uh, runners on this team called team Renew Gene. Um, yeah, but I mean, when I graduated, I definitely wasn't thinking that I'd go pro, um, that, you know, you, I was just calling myself post-collegiate, uh, I'm just a post-collegiate, uh, runner. Right. And then that first year kind of like I had set goals that was 20, 2015. Yeah. So I, I came in 2015 and, you know, and you have like your goal setting stuff, uh, uh, with, with the new coach Ian Dobson and ended up like hitting kind of like a four-year plan, um, in that first year and qualifying for the, you know, qualifying for Olympic trials and then actually making the final at the Olympic trials. And then it was like, oh, wow, like I can run with the big dogs and I have the PRs and the steeple to show it. So, um, that was again, kind of like a full circle back to, uh, freshman year of high school at Juno for, for, uh, regionals where it was like, wow, I just missed this, but I made the final. So like, maybe I can, instead of being 13th, maybe I can be sixth mm-hmm. or something like that next time. So what was that first year like, uh, mm-hmm. after college? Like, what was the structure? Like, were you being actively coached? Was it, you had some mentors uh-huh. yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. Ian Dobson is, is the, he was the main coach for team run Eugene. Um, I was working, uh, in a mixed bag, uh, like a couple of different places I worked for, uh, actually oh, I'm blanking on his name. Um, it's a wood, it's called nine wood. It's in Springfield, but I got the connection through, Oh, he's going to hate that. I forgot his name. He's from Ketchikan. His brother, um, I think it was like maybe his, his brother-in-law uh, was the one who like worked there as well and kind of got me an in. So I worked at a sawmill for a couple months and the hours were just um, not ideal for for what I wanted to do. And then transitioned to working at Dick's Sporting Goods and Fred Myers um, and kind of, you know, just did like a, the nine to five or more like 11 to seven grind so that I was able to work out in the mornings. Um, but yeah, we had a pretty structured, you know, we would meet Tuesday, Tuesday, Friday, some weeks, Tuesday, Thursday, Thursday, Saturday, some weeks, um, lived with some of the other guys. Like I said, uh, that group of college runners, we all moved there. So we all lived together as well. Um, we were running every day together and, and, uh, everything was just elevated from college to post-collegiate in terms of volume and strength training and workouts. And what was your degree in? Um, it was in marketing and it was the double major in marketing and, uh, 
or I guess it's called a double focus, uh, marketing and LOM, which is leadership organization and management, two business um, yeah. focuses, and then uh, a minor in computer science. So at, at, at any point, was there this temptation to where, I don't know if this running thing is going to work out, maybe it's time to put my major to work, or were there other no. pressures <laughs> that, okay, I mean, he's he's chasing this dream, but now it's time to grow up and use the majors? Yeah. Um, any sort of doubts I had about that probably went away one in the springtime when I ran the Olympic trials standard. Um, but also like the people around me and my parents were also like, this is a finite time, right? Like, like you can do a nine to five and work a career job for the rest of your life, but you can't be like, you can't chase a professional career for like, you know, you couldn't be like 45 and like, all right, time to try and see <laughs> if I can make a team. Um, mm -hmm. So they were a pretty heavy influence on whenever I was, maybe in need of uh, some finances or, or just in day-to-day -day life where it's like, ah, oh, it's tiring or whatever. And the, you know, um, so that, that was definitely a big factor early on. Mm -hmm. In other sports like basketball, you look at the people who are in the NBA or the G league, you've got about two or three years. So like the 18 to, you know, if you're 21, 22 years old and you don't have it, like you're not going to have it. Um, yeah. runners, it's not necessarily like that. So what's the, I guess, shelf life on a professional running career compared mm -hmm. to some of those other sports? It's, it's ever changing. Um, all that kind of depends on the discipline you're trying to get into. Um, obviously you can see with like the marathon and stuff, there tends to be a little older of a, um, mature date, um, and things, it, it goes hand in hand with explosiveness, I would say. So things like, you know, some of the field events like long jump, triple jump, um, and then the sprints um, tend to be you're better at a younger age um, just because your body can't handle that explosiveness and that power um, once you get over. I'm not going to put like a firm date or a firm time mm -hmm. number on, on what that is because like theoretically, I've been doing this for, I don't know, coming up on 10 years and I uh, like I've still progressed through those years, right? Whereas um, I have some friends who started in the NCAA um, and like have retired by this point. Mm -hmm. So it, yeah, it depends on the discipline and, and kind of like, <clears throat> I would classify myself as like undertrained in both high school and college. And that's not like a, meant to be a negative thing to either one of my like coaches or any, anyone that, you know, helped me um, because you don't know that you're undertrained or I didn't know that I was being undertrained at the time. It's just like, you're in that, uh, circle that they know and you're following it right because you trust them and that's like you're performing better each week or each year and um you weren't getting greedy yeah i think if you were to to do what some a 25 year old who has professional coaches to if you were to do that with like a 15 or 14 year old people would probably say hey chill though i mean he's 14 15 people do years that though. old they do they that's absolutely so, do so that's like the whole yeah that's so that's kind of where you kind of come into some weird moral stuff there and, and, but like with social media and, and the internet and, and the access that people have now, like, and then you add in NIL deals, um, which oh, are, yeah. so it, it's like the mentality of strike while the iron's hot. Um, you, you know, a lot of these brands, like you have a 16 or 17 year old who's running at a professional level, like that is worth a lot, a lot more money, like 10 X. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's a super big incentive incentivizing thing that, uh, you like as a parent or a kid, you know, like 
you could do my route, which has been like grind it out for seven years and then finally make it. Um, and you know, I'm not going to change that, but there are other people who are like, all right, I could do that. Or as an 18 year old, I could sign a pro contract and make, you know, six or seven figures mm-hmm. and, uh, um, and be hurt by the time I'm 24, but have made X amount of money. Um, so yeah, it just, uh, kind of depends on what you, what you want and what you know and your resources as a young kid. What's been some of the biggest, like the amount of, uh, knowledge we have about nutrition and about training has, uh, it's not even close. If you look back at you know, just the way people ran in the seventies and eighties, looking <laughs> at some of the older footage, it's, it's like all grid. It looks like, um, yep. so what's been some of the things that really opened your eyes to how you can become a highly functioning athlete? Um, I mean, I think like, I'm trying to think of what, like, yeah, there's a lot of like micros and macros now, um, and different, like in, in terms of like supplements and stuff, there's like a lot of people are like a little more acutely aware of, uh, being on top of iron and, and vitamin B and vitamin D and, you know, things that are good magnesium, things that are good for recovery. And, and like, that's kind of what you're trying to get down, right? Like you can run as hard as you want, but if you can't recover efficiently, um, not just with supplements, but with fueling as well, right? Knowing to take um, protein following hard sessions so you can do that or, or preloading collagen into your system with vitamin C before you start running. So your tendons are, are healthier uh, when you finish. Um, all things that I've kind of learned over the past seven or eight years to not like at the core of running, it's just consistency. <clears throat> so like if you're able to just run every day, and, and, and like day in day out for years, like that's, then eventually you have like those breakthroughs. Um, but to get to those, you have to make sure you're doing the, like the daily things, right. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference between like types of supplements? Some people, you know, they, they take all these different supplements, but they're cheap supplements. Other people say, mm-hmm. don't use supplements, just get what you need from your diet. And for like an ordinary person like me, I just need to be a highly performing English teacher. I don't necessarily need to be a world-class athlete. So, you know, I don't yeah. need to be spending a ton of money in, in supplements, yeah. but my wife and I do definitely take care of, of how we eat and we, you know, make sure we're eating some good quality stuff. So, um, mm-hmm. is your, is your diet enjoyable or is it very strict yeah. based on your goals? No, I, I, um, again, comes down to the personality. Um, uh, I was actually talking about this earlier today with, uh, uh someone who's like, you know, a, a world-class athlete and, and this person gets like their, they have like their macros, like down to grams, right? So they're eating a certain amount of, uh, grams of protein per day and it's all weighed out and stuff for them. They're not having to do it, which is like a huge, or, yeah, huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's less, you know, I don't know that they do it, but I like that person likes winning in the process of winning is doing this. Therefore they, they, probably just don't mind. Like it's just part of the process. Right. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I would find joy in running if I was doing it like that. And I don't eat unhealthy, right. I'll have ice cream here or there, or, um, some hot tamales or some sort of, you know, but I don't like, I generally don't have any sort of soda or, or processed foods. Like my cheat meal, if I'm going to go out to eat is, and don't want to like cook, it's like going to Chipotle and, and, yeah, and, yeah people were like, that's like not a cheat meal. I'm like, well, like I just usually like make a lot of my food. I also have some weird, like I don't eat a ton of gluten or dairy, which is adds to maybe me forcing myself to prep and like have cleaner meals just generically. Mm-hmm. 
because I can't go out and have like a burger or cheeseburger or something like that as, as a lot of my uh, peers could. Um, yeah. yeah. In terms of uh, supplements, I guess this is like a sidebar um, <laughs> real quick. They, so like we get drug tested. Um, like I'm on a, like every day that USADA is the company or the, the governing body, uh, United States Drug Association. Um, they know where I'm at. And so they can randomly show up and test me. Um, and in respect to supplements, there can be a lot of cross-contamination. Mm. So uh, like the supplements that I specifically look for are ones that are repped by NSF, which is national. I don't know what the, I'm not going to pretend like I know what NSF stands for, but it's, it's a stamp that basically says we quality check these to make sure that nothing is in there that shouldn't be in there um, so that it gives in. That's what our governing body said, like they did their blind tests and said that this stamp is the safest stamp you can have. Um, so that's kind of well, anything that I get is going to be more expensive because it has the NSF stamp and usually means it's more organic and, and, and stuff like that. No farmed fish. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, I don't even have to ask. I just figured. Yeah. <laughs> Um, when you were in high school, what was your favorite, um, pre-race meal? So a lot of the, the whole spaghetti feed, uh, the night before <laughs> yeah, carlobe thing. That's, and there's that's, always that's a couple exactly. of students who are like, Mr. Lund, I just, I, I get really tired the next day and I hate spaghetti. I'm like, well, you know, that's what everyone <laughs> says that, uh, spaghetti is the thing to do. But what have you found as far as nutrition wise that not that, I mean, it's, it, it seems like it makes sense. I'm sure for a lot of kids it, uh, it's, it's fine. But, um, as far as what you eat, yeah, before race, I would say the red sauce is, is like looking back now, the red sauce can be a little acidic for some people in my, you know, especially if you eat it late at like eight or nine at night and then you're having to get up and do a race at eight in the morning, um, that, that acidity in the stomach, extra acidity, um, might cause issues for some people, um, in terms of like heartburn or, or, or something like that. But, I don't really have like a specific race, a pre-race meal because I, I raced in so many different places that you can't be uh, like fixated on one thing. And and that is a good thing. I think that comes from growing up in Ketchikan and in Southeast and, you know, taking the ferries and just mm -hmm. like you're just having to make do with what you have and, and where you're at. Um, but uh, any sort of basic carb. Right. That's like the whole idea is you're carb loading. You're building up a fuel source that you can then burn the following day uh, during the race. What type of carb are you like? Uh, just for um, an example, what are you eating the night before? Uh, I mean, like I'll have like crazy things like curry um, uh, or some sort of Thai curry or, or uh, I'll do like the basic meal would be uh, like a one sheet pan with chicken thighs and sweet potatoes that are cubed up in like some broccolini or something. Right. And you got your, your, your thirds there with carbs, protein, vegetable, and you just toss it all a bowl, toss some avocado oil and some salt and vinegar or salt and salt and pepper and not vinegar, uh, and, uh, garlic powder, onion powder, maybe some Italian seasoning and just toss it all up, put it in the oven and you're off to the races. Nice. What about uh, morning of, um, Morning of is usually just like generic oatmeal, um, maybe some honey or some jam or something to make it, you know, some, some berries to make it taste a little better, but, uh, nothing, nothing crazy in that respect either. Safe is good. Um, it doesn't have to be like one thing, but just things that aren't extravagant. Mm. I'm not going to have, you know, some sort of like salmon roll the morning of mm. well, that sounds chorizo breakfast breeder or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, what about gear? You know, it's cross country shoes, just you, you buy whatever and then you just run in them. Have you found that uh, there are certain um, brands that are better fitting your feet or if someone is uh, looking at uh, a pair of shoes, what might they uh, be looking at in one that's going to be better than the others? Well, I really like Under Armour. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that the pitch? Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's I don't know. Yeah, um, full disclosure, I'm sponsored by Under Armour. Um, they they are gracious enough to uh, supply me with any and all gear that I need. Um, and in return, I market them to the best of my ability. Uh, in in uh, like in high school, it was just a lot of like whatever I could find at uh, Tongas, really. Yeah. Uh, and then if I made state. That was kind of like the fun time when I would go to uh, Skinny Ravens running and uh, would like pick out a pair of spikes that I would run in for state um, and then usually never wear them again because <laughs> <laughs> my feet would grow and then I'd have to get a new pair the following year. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of different brands out there. Um, they're all pretty competitive with each other at this point. Um, early on in COVID, certain brands kind of had more R and D money and, and kind of took the reins on like the new styles of carbon plated shoes and super shoes and all that jazz. But at this point, everyone's kind of caught up to each other and, you know, and, and they're really all fighting over the last 5%. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I personally, I don't think that there's any sort of disadvantage in any one over the other, but I do, um, I've had trouble, like I, uh, even in the Nikes, um, when I was running for Nike and Hoka, like I had to, uh, yeah, I guess Under Armour technically is the first shoe that I've run in that isn't, uh, that I don't have to like quote unquote change. Um, mm. so that, that goes, goes somewhere. Um, in Hoka's I dealt with, uh, uh, their heel drop was a little more aggressive. So the, the heel drop is talking about how high the stack height is on the heel versus the stack height on the midsole. And that's like a heel toe drop. You'll see, you know, six MM, six millimeters or eight millimeters. And Hoka was kind of known for having less heel drop, which is more towards the like, uh, natural, like running form, right? The people kind of went to that. I forget what the shoe is called, where it was like zero drop shoe and they had like little toes. Mm-hmm. You, uh, um, so that was like their kind of thing was steered towards that but i that four millimeter difference over hundreds of miles which means like tens of thousands of achilles stretches irritated my soleus and, and i ended up having to put like heel cups in the bottom of them to get a mm-hmm. little more lift um and then in nikes there's something rubbed on my peroneal and so i had to like i would like slit the inside of the shoe and rip out a lot of the foam so oh. you couldn't tell from the outside that it looked you know uh, everything was pretty subtle um not, none of it was like game breaking right but um thank you with under armor they've all fit great and and i've hadn't had to like modify anything in that respect <laughs> yeah I, i've had a couple when i coached basketball a couple kids in california would always like hate a pair of shoes but they just liked how they looked i'm like dude yeah. I mean, everyone else is wearing these Nikes or these Jordans or whatever, but that doesn't mean they're going to fit for everybody. It doesn't mean yeah. that they're going to, it's, it's your foot. It's not a style thing. It's not a preference thing. It's whether or not it makes your foot hurt or not. So yeah. you know what also looks good? Decider. Throwing up 30 points. <laughs> exactly. Or so, not bleeding yeah. through the shoe. But, yeah. 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 So let the numbers be. Yeah. What about uh, injuries? I'm sure at some point you've had some nagging things, uh, some a tendonitis, couple. whatever, stuff like that. How do you get through that? Yeah. Um, I've had a couple um, one, obviously, uh, mild one with, with the Hoka's that like, you know, um, funny enough, the only thing that solved it was just the heel cups, which, uh, wasn't too hard to figure out once I had learned that it was the heel drop. Um, <clears throat> outside of that, the only other big injuries I've had were, 
there, I guess I'd call more acute injuries or, or, or things that happened in moments. They weren't like, like you're saying, like tendonitis. Like I had a little bit of that, but it was because I tore my PCL hitting a water barrier. Um, for all your, uh, body people out there, the PCL is the, the smallest of the four, um, ACL, MCL, LCL, and PCL. Um, and it, it's the, it's the, the ligament that holds your knee from going backwards, uh, towards your, I guess it'd be perpendicular to your quad, um, and, and upper leg. So I like was running. I know people can't see this, but I hit my shin on a water pit in my, mm-hmm. my thigh and upper leg continued moving forward while my lower leg stopped. Um, gotcha. so they call it a dashboard injury. Um, because a lot of times people get it when the airbags go off and their knees are like, they have their feet on the, uh, on the, on the dash. Um, so that was, uh, just a process of like time, right. Mm-hmm. Time in a PRP shot, um, which is, I don't know how deep down the rabbit hole you want to go with, uh, with go science. Stuff. Uh, yeah. PRP is a, a what platelet rich plasma. Um, they basically oh. will pull out your own blood, spin it um, and separate the red blood cells and the white blood cells and like basically get all the healing benefits out. Um, and uh, which is going to be the oxygen rich red blood cells. Uh, the white blood cells are for defense. Um, and then they'll put it with this concoction. I don't know what's in the concoction, um, but that's, I'll call that the PRP. Um, and then they'll inject it locally to the area that you had the injury. Um, so it's really good for places that get low blood. So things like tendons and places that are, are not getting a lot of blood flow that can't heal quickly on their own. Um, so I've had that once in my right knee, I guess we'll call it. And then once in my left knee for, I tore my IT band two years ago now, um, not a full rupture. So there's different, you know, there's what, three tiers of tears. Um, and it's kind of like the best way to describe it because the IT band is under tension. It's like a rope under tension. And then imagine having little slits in the rope. I mean, everyone that probably is from catching knows what a rope looks like. And it's all twisted up. Right. And you have these little grooves. So imagine some of those grooves kind of like delaminating hmm. and have a little bit of a gap and it just creates a little bit of friction. And then that friction leads to obviously pain and discomfort. And um, so they go in and they shoot the PRP kind of in those voids that have been created. And then that helps heal it all back up. How'd you do that one? Um, that I, I don't know. I hit a hurdle. Hmm. Uh, so I, uh, yeah, the only, the, I hit a hurdle during a pre-race at the Olympic trials in 2021. Um, and then didn't notice anything until September when I like took a pause, took my downtime and then started building in the fall. Um, and my knee just got really pissed off. And the only thing I could think of was, was that. So it I'm pretty confident it was that. And I just like, it took some time to develop. So what's the the steeplechase? Uh, maybe we should do a little bit about that because you're yeah. hit, hitting yeah. things on the run here. So you've got hurdles, you've got water obstacles. How uh, how far is this, and um, um, what is that like? Yeah, the the steeplechase is uh, three thousand meters, so uh, two hundred meters less than two miles, two hundred eighteen meters, whatever. Um, and it is uh, like the long distance hurdling event. Um, so you have four water four hurdles. Uh, that aren't class. They're not a hurdle. They don't fall over like a hurdle. It's just imagine a four by four that is 
uh, 36 inches up. That's essentially what it is. Um, and uh, there's four of those per lap. And then there's a fifth one that is uh, before a 10 foot water pit. <laughs> and that water pit is also sloped. So the further out you land, the shallower your land. Um, so that I guess incentivizes a little bit to jump further, but that at this point it doesn't really like you're fighting for inches. Um, so, but that, that's kind of the basis you do seven and a half laps and seven of those laps are over hurdles and a water pit. And it looks so, like some of, some of those races get a little bit tighter quarters. Uh, what is it like, um, I guess, physically with the, uh, other, yeah. other runners? Yeah. Um, I mean, every race depend depending on like a lot of championship races are, are quite, uh, bunched up because everyone's trying to run for a place, not necessarily a time. Um, so you're all kind of like feeling each other out and running in a comfortable zone. Um, but that's also when people fall and get tripped up, um, in the steeple specifically, you kind of have to have a sixth sense of when the barriers are coming and, and, and good reaction time and, and uh, uh, a little better athleticism just in case something happens, right. To be able to roll out of it or, uh, chop your step and, and jump really like quickly. Um, and, and also just trust more than other events. Like you have to trust that the person in front of you is going to jump over it. Right. Cause if yeah. they don't, then you hit them. Piling um, up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I think that's, uh, one of the unique things about the steeple. Hmm. So what do you got next? What's uh, on the horizon for you? Um, so right now we're kind of gearing up for indoor track, or I guess they just changed that to short track is the technical like terminology now. Um, and I'll fly out to Boston on the end of the month um, to do a 3K and hopefully qualify for the U.S. indoor uh, track championships in Albuquerque on Feb February 16th, I think. So I'll go to BU. Um which I guess BU is the, is the university that hosts it, um, uh, on the 26th and then also on the second. So two back-to-back -back weekends, hopefully knock out the time and then have basically a down week here. And then I'll drive over to Albuquerque, um, conveniently placed like three and a half hours from where I live. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, uh, what yeah. about, uh, long-term, what are you thinking? Um, how are you going to ride this thing out? Um, I mean, we'll, we'll, I'll do these three races, take a little bit more downtime. Um, and then like the long, slow grind of the track season starts, um, you know, and you'll do a couple, thankfully I ran well last year. So, so you kind of have a little more security, uh, knowing that you're going to get into some of the more elite races and you don't have to like scrap up some of the smaller ones to try and like prove your worth, I'll say. Mm -hmm. Um, so I can like kind of pen in where I'm going to go already. And knowing that helps dictate like when key workouts are and when you can build base and, and taper and stuff like that. Um, and all of that kind of leads to the Olympic trials in the end of June back in Eugene. Um, and hopefully I, I kind of do a repeat of last year and be one of the top three athletes um, and make the team, which then of course would mean that I'd go to the Olympics over in Paris uh, and uh run there so yeah exciting exciting next like 10 months <laughs> yeah shoot eight months yeah did uh last olympics you qualified right um no not i was fifth at the last Olympics. fifth okay yeah, yeah. so yeah, the running the track is weird because i was third last year and made the world team and in all like from a competitive standpoint it's the same as the olympics um yeah. 
like you're racing the same people at at the USA championships. The only difference is that you're not under the umbrella of the Olympics. Um, there's just like, there's more incentive. There, it's like better to make the Olympic team because people watch more at the Olympics, right? Mm-hmm. From a moral standpoint, um, you have more pressure to make the team um, because just more people tune in. Yeah. Um, so hopefully I make it. Otherwise I'm just considered a, a world what is it called? A uh, just like a U.S. world team? I don't know. It doesn't sound maybe cool as Olympian. Uh, I'm still, still world class athlete who gets uh, yeah. uh, Under yeah. Armour shoes. So yeah, I, I think that's yeah. uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. But uh, you got anything else? Anything uh, you want to share? Anything else uh, to go over? Um. Oh well, I just remembered that kid's name. Uh, he's another Alaskan who who trains at NAU. His name is Santiago. Um, not that he's not from Ketch or anything, but yeah. it just popped into my mind. So I'm gonna. Uh, shout out another Alaskan. Um, cool. but outside of that, no, um, it looks like catch still getting plenty of rain and a little bit of snow I saw on the forecast. So yeah, 176 inches of rain last year, which yeah. is, um, the record I think was 189 or something like that. So, uh, sixth overall eighth, something like that. So, uh, yeah. a lot of rain, but, uh, you know, nothing, nothing crazy. Nothing, yeah, nothing out of ordinary. I guess the the bigger thing is how many gray days did you have? Because that's really what gets you. We had uh, a pretty decent summer. We had a, we had a couple of nice stretches. So when I look back at twenty twenty three, I think of a couple of nice weeks in uh, June, a couple of nice weeks in in August. Mm-hmm. So, all right, we, we we did okay. Yeah, that's good. Good. You, you've done the Fourth um, of July race up. Um, oh, the Blueberry Festival or or the Deer Mountain Challenge. Deer Mountain Challenge. Yeah. Well, that's not yeah, Fourth of July. I did that. I did that once. Um, yeah. Uh, when was that? I think it was, it was when I was still in college, I believe maybe 2014. Um, it's been many, yeah, it's been a long time ago. I was back home for just like three or four days, um, this past winter and, uh, tried to, there's a, there's an app called Strava, which kind of records like running and people can put like segments that they that they you know the fastest times mm. um so i went out to ward lake and and just <laughs> torched whatever was just there um so the my, my nice. goal is to eventually get back there in the summer and just go through and just try and like solidify my name and glory on that app and nice. catch so anyone nice. that comes through on a cruise ship will know <laughs> nice uh have you done mount marathon i haven't nope yeah uh, a lot of a lot of yeah i mean Sad to say that I haven't done a lot of exploring outside of Southeast um, yeah. and just like the local Anchorage area for like soccer meets and or soccer tournaments. And um, that's, that's a big, a big unknown um, that, that is exciting to, to kind of like do post competitive track. Right? Yeah. I think I'm not sure it would probably be a good idea to be uh, running up Deer Mountain and Mountain Marathon with just, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a hazard. It's uh, a, yeah. The chance uh, for injury to be a lot of risk. It attracts a lot of runners and a lot of athletes, but you know, it probably would not be a, a great thing when you have a lot to yeah. lose. Yeah. No, I got I got a, a mental map of you know, <laughs> you finish your you finish being a professional track athlete and then you you come back and you you run around playing the outdoor rainbird cup and then you go up north and you just um do some fun races. Awesome. So well, thanks a lot. I really appreciate you being on here. Um okay. Great to talk to you and uh, good luck in the upcoming races and the upcoming season. Yeah, thank you.